Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Monday. Ed Valentine, a big blue view here, along with Tony Del Genio, and we're going to be discussing Sunday's latest New York Giants debacle, lost to uh, the Miami Dolphins, one and four start now, and obviously things aren't good. Before we get into it, please remember to like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and please subscribe wherever you're listening to us across the big blue view radio network. All right, Tony, how are you this morning? I'm doing okay. Thanks. How are you? I'm all right. I'm wearing a black shirt this morning because it's a black Monday, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, Tony, one in four, and it's not the record that it's not the record that's so distressing. It's how badly they continue to play. It's how non-competitive they continue to be. They they don't look like an NFL football team. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, I think that most people probably guessed that the Giants would be two and four after six games, and of course we're we're guessing about next week. But I don't think I'd want to bet money that the Giants are going to win at Buffalo on on Sunday night. Uh, Buffalo is going to be pretty mad after having lost to, to Jacksonville. On top of the fact that they're just a plainly a better team than the Giants, but I think most fans expected say two and four at this point. And so, you know, last week against Seattle, that was that game was the killer because that game was was the one game other than Arizona among these four, four first six games that I thought the Giants could and maybe should have won if they really were aspiring to be contenders in the NFL, losing, losing to Dallas, losing to San Francisco, Miami, Buffalo, you know, many people guessed that that would happen and the Giants' schedule gets significantly easier after the Buffalo game. And so you expected they could go on something of a run after that and get into the NFC race and the, and the playoff race. But as you say, it's, it's not just the, the fact that they're losing. I, I expected them to lose yesterday. And, and I think, you know, most, most people probably expected that even at the beginning of the season, even before they saw what this version of the giants looks like. But as you say, this version of the giants actually looks awful. Um, not so much on defense. I actually, I mean, I mean, if you can, if you can say that, that, that a defense that gave up 500 plus yards played a good game, well, they, you know, they didn't play a, ter- a terrible game yesterday, considering how how potent that offense is. The Miami offense has been doing that to almost everyone except Buffalo last week uh, this season. It's it's really the the offense that is that is just plain awful and and completely non functional, and that's the part that's really really disappointing. Agreed, Tony. Before we get fully into the offense. I want to say this. I think that had anyone that was realistic heading into the 2023 season had to realize that some regression was possible, if not inevitable. 
The Giants 9-7-1, if you count the playoff games last year. Won a lot of games at the end. They were fortunate to win some games, really fortunate to win the Tennessee game. Some of the victories that they had over, over the Titans, maybe over the Packers, by the end of the season, maybe not as impressive as they as they looked at the time, simply because maybe we thought those teams were better than they actually were. Look at the playoff victory over the Vikings, and you know you and I have talked about this. You wrote about the the comparison between the Vikings and the Giants in the off season. The Vikings realized that they weren't a true thirteen and four team. They weren't a true contender, and, and they basically started a teardown. The Giants looked at. Nine seven and one, and leaned into it, and thought we're a good football team already, and and it just hasn't worked. But I, but I think the point is we we could have expected some regression, at least in terms of record. What we couldn't have expected was the regression in play, especially on the offensive side of the football, and that is what is absolutely a hundred percent so distressing is the the absolute regression, you know, back to basically being non-functional and incompetent on offense. Yeah, it's it's startling how inept they've been on offense. And and I mean to me it's it's 90% the offensive line. I uh the offensive line looks I think worse than it has ever looked in all the years that that I can remember uh, I haven't seen the the PFF scores yet for this week though I checked this morning and they still weren't up but what I did last night was I went back and looked at the team pass blocking PFF grades for entire seasons and I looked to see which was the uh, worst score in the NFL for a given season going all the way back to, I think, 2006, which is as far as PFF goes. And there was there was one team, I can't remember, might have been the 2016 Dolphins or something like that, that had a season-long PFF pass block score of about 42 or something like that. Uh, the Giants went into, and that was the worst in, in you know, whatever it is, uh, 16, 17 years. The Giants, as of yesterday, before this game, were standing at something like, uh, 33.8 and they weren't even the worst team. Actually, they were a little bit ahead of Pittsburgh, which was even worse, which is, which is hard to believe, but, but, you know, here they are looking like an, a, an all time terrible pass blocking line. And, and who would have, who would have guessed that obviously injuries are a huge thing, not having Andrew Thomas at, le at left tackle, uh, I mean, you can say that's the direct reason the Daniel Jones that got, got hurt yesterday is because Andrew Thomas wasn't there at left tackle. All right. Uh, but naturally also John Michael Schmitz, who, you know, the jury is out. He's only played a few games, but he at least looks semi-competent uh, out there. And so having what, what might have been their two best offensive linemen out with injuries didn't help. But but gee, the the offensive line as a whole, it's it and it's not just they're getting beaten. It's that they look like they have no idea what they what they're doing, what their assignments even are. Who supply? Who's supposed to block which pass rush, pass rusher when on particular plays? They look like they've never seen a stunt before. They look like they've never seen an outside speed rush before, and 
I, I'm, I'm at a loss to imagine how they can be this bad. Absolutely, Tony. And that is something that we wrote about, you know, in the, in the post game at Big Blue View is just, it's one thing when you talk about injuries on the offensive line. Offensive coordinator Mike Kafka said last week that you know, there's injuries across the NFL. Well, we watched Seattle on Monday night play competent offensive football with two backup offensive tackles. The Miami Dolphins were missing their best offensive lineman yesterday in Toronto Armstead. We see it across the league where teams have to have to, you know, put backup guys in. And what I wrote was, yes, you get a talent drop off. But you shouldn't get a drop off in communication in guys not understanding their assignments. You're going to get beaten sometimes. You know, backup players going to get beaten more often than the starter. That's just reality. But not understanding assignments, having so many free runners, not able to pick up these twists. We watched plays during the game yesterday where. Evan Neal and, and Jalen Mayfield at right guard blocked the same player while a free runner came off the edge. What are these guys being taught? What are they being, what are they being, what's being communicated to them during the game about what the opponents are doing to them? That's what I don't understand. Maybe some of those things are on the quarterback. I don't know. But I also think. And I've said this before, that's, and yes, Daniel Jones, before he got hurt, yes, he had regressed. We know that. Maybe he's not ever going to be what the Giants hope he will be. But I think that when you get hit and pressured and harassed as often as Daniel Jones does, it's natural for your play and your processing to regress. It just is. That, I think, is 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 not really disputable but but it's just mystifying to me not only how overwhelmed they look but how confused they look yeah and and the thing is if if you were just taking this season in isolation then you just say well these are just terrible offensive linemen period and they should all they should all just be out of the league you know, but the fact is, even though we were dissatisfied with the Giants offensive line last season, that offensive line looked like all pros compared to the way this offensive line looks. And, you know, there there are there are a lot of the same people out there. And uh, and yet they they somehow look worse this year than last year. And and as you say, it's the it's not just the, the you know, the physically getting beaten by by opposing defensive lines it's it's the confusion and it's like how can you have this much confusion and and, and i'm an outsider so i don't you know i don't know what's going on uh inside that locker room i can't evaluate coaches but it sure looks to me like they are a poorly coached offensive line now now bobby johnson who was there last year you know, he had reasonable success with the Buffalo Bills. They weren't the greatest offensive line in the NFL, but they were a slightly above average offensive line. And, and they had have few stars on that uh, offensive line. So, you know, he, he managed to have a functional offensive line for for that team. Uh, 
you know, what's happening now? What's changed? The only thing I can I can find that's that's tangible, and it's it's hard to believe that that an assistant position coach could have so much impact is that last year the Giants had Tony Sperano Jr. as their assistant offensive line coach. He went and took an offensive line coach position at Indianapolis, where according to reports, he's doing a very good job there as, as OL coach, uh, even though they've had injuries on the line. And he's been replaced by someone else. Was, was he the guy actually doing all the work with the linemen uh, last year, even though Bobby Johnson is the, the guy whose face you see? And do they actually miss having this guy? I have no idea. I'm, I'm really at a loss to to imagine how they can be as bad as they are right now. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Tony, I'm not sure how to answer that question, but it does lead us into a discussion of the coach of coaching and about general manager Joe Shane. And I think that it's, it's absolutely clear that the honeymoon is over for, for Brian Dayball and for Joe Shane. And I think that, that what it leads me to is some discussion of some of the decisions that have been made specifically on the offensive line, but perhaps in other places as well. And I'm not going to sit here and say, as I think NewJersey.com wrote this morning, that Brian Dayball should be on the hot seat. I don't think that's the case. I think that that the Giants have got to get off this two-year merry-go-round. And Joe Shane and Brian Dable showed us a year ago that that there's a path to success, that maybe that maybe they're the guys that can lead us there. If this season goes completely south, then in my view, I think these guys have to be allowed a chance to fix it because you've you just go nowhere if you keep if you stay on this two-year merry-go-round. So I think they're both going to be here for a while, but they both have a lot of questions to answer. And that starts with the idea of whose idea was it that Josh Azudu is an NFL left tackle? All right. I don't understand it. They drafted him as a guard. They drafted him as a player who had played a little bit of left tackle and a little bit of right tackle at North Carolina, but they drafted him to play guard. And the idea that that he can protect Daniel Jones' blind side, and yes, everything would be much better if Andrew Thomas was there, but the idea that they're putting a guard over there to protect Daniel Jones' blindside is eventually what got Daniel Jones hurt. 
and it bothered me. And I tweeted this last night. It bothered me that as soon as Daniel Jones got hurt, they yanked Josh Azudu and, and put Matt Pert in. Why? And I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to let you speak on it some before I before I get into it. Why is a guard playing left tackle when Matt Pert, who is not a great player, but he is a natural tackle who has played some decent football for the Giants over the years. He's played some bad football, but he's played some adequate football too. Why is Matt Pert not over there? So that's the first thing that I just I I just don't get. Yeah, and and so you know just to start with with your comment about the about the coaching situation, uh, I agree with you that that Brian Dable needs to get two years, uh, more than two sorry more than two years as as Giants head coach. Uh, I think the only thing that could could stop that is that is if uh, Mara and Tish's hand is forced by some kind of a, a meltdown during the season as Joe Judge had after one of the one of the late losses where he just went on a 10 minute rant where he almost absolved himself of any of the blame and claimed that he was doing a good job and that and that and that players you know loved playing for him and wanted to come back here and so on and so forth and and uh, and so on um, but Joe Judge didn't have that much capital in the first place because the best he ever did was the previous season when they went when they went six and ten. Brian Dable has taken this team to to the playoffs and actually to the divisional round of the playoffs in in one year. You're not going to get rid of someone like that after after one really bad season unless they unless they just do something themselves that look that makes them look like they're just in over over their head okay and and he clearly was not in over his head last year you know you think back in giants history uh bill parcells took over the giants after ray perkins decided to to leave and go back to to college coaching and i believe uh uh in his in his first really i can't remember whether he was the coach during the uh the year where they had the the walkout or not 1982 i don't remember whether he was coaching them then but 1983 which was i think his first real season at least coaching the giants i think they went something like three and twelve or something three or something. three twelve and one three twelve, 12 and one yeah. when yeah. in his first year as head coach and bill parcells made made some mistakes early yeah. in his tenure i mean bill parcells as great a head coach as he eventually proved to be, Bill Parcells thought Scott Bruner was a better quarterback than Phil Simms. Right, and that team had been to the playoffs <laughs> under Ray Perkins in 1981. So again, throw out 1982, where you, where you didn't have real players playing playing games part of the time, uh, and part of the season was lost. Uh, you know, they they gave Bill Parcells another chance after a terrible 1983, even though he took over a team that supposedly was a was a playoff team, and it was a playoff team in 1981. And sure enough, in 1984, the Giants got to back to the playoffs, and that was the beginning of a of a multi year run of mostly playoff teams. A couple of years later, a Super Bowl, obviously, and then a couple of years after that, another Super Bowl. So you can't you can't give up on a head coach too soon, even as even when you think they're making bad decisions. And as you say, putting Scott Bruner in as as the quarterback, you know, what what was what was he thinking? And uh 
uh, yeah, Phil Sims hadn't really established himself as a as as the guy by that time. It wasn't really until 1984 that that Phil Sims really, I think, convinced people that 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 he could really be the the winning quarterback for for the Giants. But they had patience with with Parcells, and I think that that after, as you say. You know, after two years of of Ben McAdoo and two years of Pat Shermer and two years of Joe Judge, I think, I think John Mara and uh, especially is is very very sensitive to this idea that they that they pulled the trigger too soon on on coaches who are not succeeding. So I think Brian Dable would have to do something really ridiculous before this season is is over, uh, in order to to get himself kicked out. I think he'll he'll definitely get a third year. And the larger question really is, you know, to go back to your other question. <laughs> You know what? What are they doing? Putting putting Josh Azuto in at tackle when they've got Matt Parrott uh, on the team, and and I mean they seem to indicate you know, by by what they do that they have absolutely no confidence in Parrott as a tackle. But then I keep on going back to you know why is Tyree Phillips not on this team as a backup tackle? He played for them last year and played reasonably competently, and and how was it that they managed to think that they could? That they could let him go as as backup uh, uh, at, at tackle on a team that doesn't really have a lot of depth. That's that's one I will never understand. No, and to me, I I was going to get into Tyree Phillips as well. To me, when I look at it, they chose, and I know Tyree Phillips is basically a tackle, but to me, they chose Shane Lemieux over Tyree Phillips. Shane Lemieux, a player that they that the coaching staff admitted they liked during the draft process in Buffalo. But Lemieux's a player who's done nothing in the NFL. And when he's gotten a chance, he's played badly and he spent two years hurt and he's hurt again. And and you're absolutely right. The the Tyree Phillips cut wasn't going to make or break the Giants season, but it's still you know, one that's questionable. It's still one that deserves to be asked. And, you know, that may be partially Joe Shane. It may be partially Brian Dable. It may be partially Bobby Johnson preference. I don't know. But when you, it's hard to find quality backup offensive linemen in the NFL. And when you have one that plays competently, then it is mystifying as to why you know, as to why you would let that player go, especially a guy like Phillips who can play both tackle and guard. And the other thing, of course, that Joe Shane has to be questioned about, and I get asked all the time in the Big Blue View mailbag, why doesn't Joe pay more attention to the offensive line? Why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he just draft six or seven offensive linemen one year and fix this thing, you know, once and for all? And and you can't do that because you've you're building an entire football team. And yes, you have to have an offensive line. My point is in two seasons, he's drafted four offensive linemen. He's used first, second, third, and fifth round picks. He did sign Mark Lewinsky admitting at the time that he would have liked to have signed a higher caliber of player, but that's what he could afford. And Glowinski by reputation looked like a competent player. And it just hasn't worked out for Glowinski with the Giants. But I think it's fair at this point 
to look at Joe Shane and say, did he draft the correct right tackle? Because Evan Neal, as much as we want Evan Neal to succeed, it just it it's not getting better. Josh Azudu looks like a mess. And I'm I worry that by playing him out of position, you know, he's been a blubbering mess two straight weeks now in the locker room, Josh Azudu has, according to you know, I, I saw him on, you know, after the Monday night game and then but or I saw him after one of the games the other the other day. And then, you know, this this past weekend he was he was said to be, you know, crying at his locker because he had gotten Daniel Jones hurt. I worry that even if they try to put him back at his normal natural guard spot, I worry that they've already broken Josh Azudu. Marcus McKethan can't seem to stay healthy. John Michael Schmitz is hurt. I think John Michael Schmitz, there's got to be optimism about, but but it's fair to look at Joe Shane at this point and ask if he drafted the right players. We don't know the answer, but it's fair to ask. Yeah, it's fair to ask. Uh, you know, but but this is also partly why I I come back to this question of of the coaching and and as you say, you know, you've got a a first round, a second round, a, th- a third round, and a fifth round pick that you've that you've drafted in two years, which to me I think should be enough, right? If you're if you're mm-hmm. it if should you're, be. If you're, if you're averaging a couple of offensive linemen a year in the draft then you should be able to to over time put together put together a decent line and yet there's not a single one of these well again as you say let's leave john michael schmitz out of it he's he's played a few games he looked good in his first game and have we haven't had much of a of a chance beyond that to really to really evaluate him uh you know but how can you have three other guys all of whom you know look look like they can't play in, in the nfl and, and, and is it really that, that he's bad at identifying talent, but it's not just him naturally, it's the entire scouting department that, that he's put together that supposedly scouts people, you know, more extensively and leaves no stone unturned about every prospect that they, that they get. Are they, are they really not good despite all of the, uh, of the, the, the overturn that he's, he's put in, 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 in their practices and how they scout players. God knows that they go out and scout players like crazy. I mean, Shane himself goes all over the place looking at players. They've always got guys at, at players pro days and, and, and during games and things like that. So it's, it's certainly not like they're not putting in the effort. Uh, they are, they seem to be, to be really doing a thorough job of evaluating players. But at some point, I, you'd love to hear somebody say, how come despite all of that work, you can't find one offensive lineman who's who's good? Is it, you know, where's where is the problem in that group? And I, I, I'm just at a loss. And that's why I'm starting to come back to the coaching, because they, we have no direct information about it. But it's like, how can they evaluate players that poorly that they can't find a single competent offensive lineman? It's a valid question to ask, Tony, and I think, uh, you know, Bobby Johnson, just like Joe Shane and Brian Dable at this point, has a lot of questions to answer. I mean, we can look at scheme and we can look at, to me, it took the Giants, it took the Giants until this past Sunday against, you know, against the, uh, you know, It took the Giants until this past Sunday to realize that they needed 
to lean into the running game, that they needed to at least try, throw the ball short, throw the ball quick, do what they had to do to to try not to get Daniel Jones killed. And yet they still found themselves in, in a lot of long yardage situations, situations where there were free rushers. I don't know if they didn't mass, max protect enough, but but schematically they just haven't done Jones any favors. And and I know that that Dan Orlovsky of ESPN has pointed out on several occasions that some of these things are on Jones. And yes, I'll agree with that. And but the point of the point that I've made is Jones has regressed, and I think Jones is regressing because he's getting hit so much, because he's getting flushed out of the pocket so much, because he's getting harassed so much. I just I don't know what kind of quarterback Daniel Jones is, but I I we're getting closer and closer with Daniel Jones to that ship having sailed and if this season continues to go south and the giants have a top five pick and they have a shot at caleb williams or drake may we might be there it's certainly possible and and you really you know i I keep on thinking back to, to daniel jones's rookie season when yeah he had all of the turnovers okay but he was an attacking quarterback under Pat Shermer. Now, granted, Pat Shermer was was trying to make things easy for a rookie quarterback. He did mostly mostly half field reads and things like that, right? And and so he didn't make it too too complicated. But Daniel Jones threw the ball downfield, you know, quite quite a bit. And people complained about that offensive line for the Giants in uh, in I guess it was 2019, right? No, 20, 2018 was uh, Shermer's first season. People complained about that offensive line being no good, but but those guys those guys look great compared to the to the offensive line that Jones has now. And and you know, Jones Jones came out. I mean, his very first game, right? Everybody will remember, right? He came out, and even though he was getting pressured by Shaq Barrett, he threw the deep downfield pass to to Slayton, and uh, uh, he would uh, in Cincinnati. He threw way downfield to to Engram the following year. He, he he had a beautiful long touchdown pass to Darius Slayton the first game of 2020 against. Uh, uh, against uh, Pittsburgh when Joe Judge came in, so you know the guy can throw downfield, and and when he first came up, they they did an, enough of that with him. And yesterday, I mean, they he he did finally throw a couple of deep, he threw a couple of nice deep passes. I mean, he threw threw a nice one to Darren Waller that I thought Darren Waller should have should have caught, even though the defensive back was was getting a hand in there. But I thought that was a ball that was catchable for Waller and should have been a touchdown. He had another one to, to Darius Slayton that was just like a tiny little bit long and Slayton couldn't get his feet uh, down in bounds. But, you know, but, but it was a pretty nice pass. So, you know, he, he can throw a deep ball, but you've got to have some time to do it. And you've got to feel You've got to have an attitude, I believe. I, I and again, I, you know, I've never played quarterback in my life at any level, not even peewee. So I have no idea what it's what it's like back there. But I would imagine that if you play quarterback, you've got to you've got to drop back with the attitude that I'm going to attack this defense. And if you're dropping back with the attitude that this defense is attacking me instead, then yeah, you're 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 not gonna you're not gonna want to to take chances. You want to try to gonna want to try to get the ball out as soon as possible because you know you might get hurt. And this is you know twice that he has gotten hurt. 
and we are seeing instances with Jones now where he's not reading defenses properly, where he's not seeing the rush, where maybe he's not setting the protections properly. I know Dan Orlovsky keeps pointing that out. And I think these are things that I think Jones showed a year ago that he can do. But you start to wonder if, you know, if, if he's just, if the way things are going, you start to wonder if it's ever going to work the way that it needs to work. You start to wonder if he's broken and you start to wonder if they can fix it. And, and, you know, him getting hurt yesterday, as I wrote at big blue view was absolutely inevitable. And you just do start to wonder if whether the giants are, if they're in that position, if they have to draft a quarterback and I will admit I haven't studied the quarterbacks. I really don't know. I'm sure some of our listeners and viewers know who some of the guys are beyond Caleb Williams and Drake may. I don't know that at this point, but it's, it's at that point where you have to start to consider, you know, that, that as a, as a legitimate possibility down the road, unless, unless they turn things around in the second half of the year and, 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 sort of take themselves out of that discussion but you do have to start to think that that the clock is ticking and maybe it's just never going to work with jones here in new york yeah well i mean it's amazing how quickly your point of view can change uh, about things uh, because i've been you know thinking all along that that this year jones is is going to show that that he's the guy and 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 then then my my thought behind that one in my brain was well if he's not the guy what are they going to do about it because they're not going to be in position to get one of the one of the top quarterbacks in the draft now i can see how much things have changed because i was watching the chicago washington game on thursday night football and i was rooting for the bears to win not only because they're playing washington a division foe but also because i'm saying okay great chicago get a get a, a victory on the board and now i find myself rooting for carolina too and because chicago <laughs> has carolina's <laughs> drafting yeah, also and, and so the show chicago could be could be drafting you know one two in the in the draft and, and have their pick of, of quarterbacks and it's like and i'm thinking to myself my god I'm, I'm actually thinking about the giants being in the caleb williams sweepstakes it's like how how far things have gone south when you think that they might actually have a chance at at, at someone like that the only thing i will say is that right now the the 2024 quarterback class Looks like it might be pretty deep. Obviously, Caleb Williams is the star, and Drake may maybe just behind him. But there, are, but there are a bunch of other kind of intriguing quarterbacks out there. Naturally, people have gotten very interested in Shadur Sanders. Uh, there's also uh, Bo Nix and Michael Penix, and um, who am I? I'm, I'm leaving out a few others that I think are probably higher higher rated than than they are. But there's probably a list of about half a dozen quarterbacks that people might think are are NFL caliber coming coming out of that draft, and so. Imagining the Giants having a, a top five draft pick this year all of a sudden doesn't seem that outlandish. And and I would agree that if they do, and if there's a good quarterback prospect there where they draft, they probably have to have to go do that. And it's a shame to have to do that, but it, uh, but maybe that's where they'll wind up. No, nobody wanted to be there, but that's where they might be. And I'm sure we'll discuss that a whole lot more going forward. Tony, I don't know about you, but 
but I don't think I can talk about this game and and this one and four start anymore. So I think this is a good spot for us to to wrap it up. Okay, that's yeah, that's that's uh, fine with me. The only thing I will say is I was glad to see them finally play Eric Gray. Uh, this is true. If, yes, if, you know, after four games, and it's like, what, what are you keeping this guy on the on the shelf for? And to me, Eric Gray looked okay. Uh, uh, I thought he, I thought he made some some nice cuts. He didn't go down easily. He had uh, he had yards after after first contact, and so I thought, okay, this guy might be a a, a viable running back. Uh, not like the two guys on the other side of the ball yesterday. I mean, you know, and that's the one thing you always have to keep in mind when they have a, a game like this that that Miami just has an amazing offense. I mean, they can, they, you know, I don't think Tua Tagovailoa is, is the greatest quarterback in, in the world. I don't think he even played that great a game yesterday, but he's got, first of all, he's got maybe the best receiver in football in, Ty, in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is a great number two to have after him. And then he's got two running backs. I mean, a Shane, it looks like, looks like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he could be rookie. He could be rookie of the year. I mean, he's, he's, he just looks like an outstanding running back, and Mostert, of course, is no is no slouch either. So they have tremendous talent on offense, and they've got a a head coach who really knows how to how to scheme his offense to to maximum effect. So you know that was going to be a a tough road for the Giants, no matter how well they they played yesterday. Um, and so that that's my one consolation that I I take from that. But uh, I don't look forward to next Sunday night either. That could be the Buffalo Bills could be in a very bad mood and might take it out on the Giants. <laughs> that's funny. As, as I said last week, I have I have personal reasons for wanting to make the Buffalo trip, but I'm not making the Buffalo trip. I'm not going because I'm not subjecting myself to what is a, a five hour drive both ways, considering the, uh, the, the state of affairs and the fact that I think it's absolutely justified for the giants to be more than two touchdown underdogs, according to our, our partners at DraftKings. So, so I'll be staying home on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't seem like worth making the trip for. I, I feel for all those Giants fans out there who travel to these games. And I think I, I underestimated how many Giants fans travel to these games. I mean, I notice at road games, you always see a lot of blue shirts in the stands. I always just assumed that that most of those people were, were people who lived in the city where the game was being played and, and they decided to take the opportunity to come out. But actually there are a lot of giants fans who get on planes and, and go cross country or, or, or down to, to Florida, places like that to see the giants play all the time. I really feel for those people who, who, who devote so much of their time and money to, to be there for the giants uh, every game, or at least some of their, their road games They're They're just not getting their money's worth so far. No, they're not. And uh, Tony, that is a good place for, for us to end. So Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.